We're actually on Romans 5, verse 6. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if when we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only is this so, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way death came to all men because all sinned. For before the law was given, sin was in the world. But sin is not taken into account when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who was a pattern of the one to come. So, Lord, I ask that you would cause each person to understand that and the truth that we're going to go over today. The central truth of your gospel, the central truth of what you've done on earth today. We thank you, Lord. Breathe this into every heart in here. Let it be woven in their spirit in such a way that it will never leave the truth that comes from you. That will permeate their whole being and be poured out on your people. We love you and we bless you. And we thank you for your blessing. Amen. Now, we hit this last week, and it's in important scriptures. And, and what I talked about was that God demonstrated his love for us while we're yet sinners. And the important part is why we belong to the enemy. Oh, why we belong to the enemy uh, and, and, and we're given over to the enemy because of our sins. The Lord said it was at the right time and he died for us. And the point of that is, is that if you die for us, why we were belonging to the enemy, how much more that we now belong to God because of his death on the cross, will he forgive our sins? So that was the first point I want to make. So often we get the idea that, okay, we got cleaned up and now we sinned and oh, well, it's all over again. You know, no, the scripture is very clear here and you need to write this one down and keep it and remember it, that when you were sinners before, he loved you enough to die for you. How much more now that you belong to him, he will forgive you. It's, it's an immediate, it's, it's a foregone promise, not conclusion, that he forgives you. So you can always stand on that. When you mess up, and you will, we all do, the, the forgiveness is immediate so that we can move into his presence. It's not after a period of time, for those of you who have came out of Catholic background, it's not after you said, Oh, God, go, oh God, a hundred times or went through the Hail Marys or anything like that. Nothing wrong with that stuff. But it's not after that. It's immediate. It's immediate. And it's very important to know it's immediate. It's immediate, and God does it for a purpose that way, because the longer you are away from him because of feeling unforgiven, the more the enemy has a chance. And the Scripture says don't give the enemy a chance. So, when, as a matter of fact, it says that, you know, if your accuser has something against you, agree with them real quickly. Get the thing settled before he hands you over to the judge and, and you'll have the sentence that would come upon you. That's a paraphrased version of it. But so you have been forgiven. It's immediate. The work was done on the cross, was done once and for all. And we looked at the work of the cross as a justification once and for all from the very first sin and to the very last sin. It's all taken care of. The price is paid. You have freedom, total freedom. 
Very important. Now, we took a look at this as a gatekeeping principle. And if you haven't been here before, just I'd suggest on breakpointbridge.com, we have all the teachings that have been on there. The best one is a guy by the name of Tim Bentz. It's about three and a half hours long. Mine are about 25 minutes long. But if it whets your appetite, listen to his because it is phenomenal. If we look at Adam, we look at Adam as a gatekeeper. He was a gatekeeper to earth. He was a gatekeeper and had a relationship with God, and he, God put him in charge of, of, the, uh, uh, of, of paradise, of the garden. And the garden was the, really the gate for the whole world. And he was holy, and he had a relationship with God. Now, the enemy knew that if he could cause him to sin and defile that gate, that his kingdom would rule on earth. And so that's, in sense, what he did. What he did is he caused man to sin, Adam and Eve sinned, and by sinning defiled it. Now, it's an important principle because I want, to look, I want you to begin to look at how God deals with us and deals with other people and deals with your sin in a different way. Uh, just a little shift different than you probably haven't in the past, or at least the way I have in the past. And that defilement closed off the door to heaven. Last week I said he got fired and kicked out of the kingdom, you know, moved from his job. He got fired and it closed the door to heaven. But it opened another door. Because there's only two kingdoms. You're either for God or against God. You either belong to the king or belong to Satan. One of the two. Scriptures are real clear. So what was happened is that the gate to heaven was closed off. And the gate to hell was opened up. And the scriptures say this. That sin entered the world. And death through sin. And in this way it came to all men. Even though the ones that didn't sin in the same way that Adam did, they all sinned. It was an opening that allowed sin to come in the world and defilement to come in. And that defilement is still on the earth for those that aren't covered by it. It says, nevertheless, sin reigned from the time of Adam to Moses. Even though we didn't break the same command. Adam was a pattern of one to come. He was the first gatekeeper. God gifted him over everything. It says next, uh, somebody read 15 through um, 19. Oh, did we get to? No, we didn't. But the gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died by the trespass of the one man... How much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man, death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Consequently, just as the result of one trespass was condemnation for all men, so also the result of one act of righteousness was justification that brings life for all men. 
For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. Okay, that took you what? To what verse was that? Okay, 19. Okay, five times it says this gift is not like the trespass. Five times in a very short scripture. That's very phenomenal. It's a real underlying point of God. He wants you not to miss it. Many died by one trespass. By the defilement, it brought death to many. How much more is God's grace and the gift? What is the gift? What is the gift God, God brought? How did God go to deal with this defilement? Because I want you to look at the, the thing that happened with Adam and Eve as a defilement. Because it's a principle I want to carry forward with you and how we deal with our lives and with other people and the position we have as a gatekeeper in this area. How do we deal with that? There was a defilement that happened that made everything full sin. Everyone was sin. It defiled the whole area. But like I say, the gate to heaven was closed and the gate to hell was open. So God decided to deal with it by justifying. Greater power and sin. How did he do that? Remember the, remember the scriptures at the cross? What's the thing that, that kind of got you just before he died? What did Jesus say? Do you remember? Hmm? Forgive them. First thing. Now, he didn't say condemn them. And in the scriptures it says over and over that he didn't come in the world to condemn or judge the world, but to save it. Why didn't he condemn it? Would he have the right to condemn it? Would he have a right to point his finger at it? Yeah. So he would. But that's not how he did it. That's not God's way. Our way. The enemy's way. But it's not God's way. God's way is different. The first thing he did, he said, forgive him. And really, the next thing he did was died and had his blood poured out for it. Now, the process was... Fully righteous man's blood being poured out and being God and paying the price. What is that process of? How many of you guys remember the Old Testament, what they used to do with the blood? Sprinkle on the altar. It was to do what? Cleanse the altar. That was to open up heaven, in a sense. And the same was here. This is how God looked at and dealt with the gate that was closed off. So here you have... That gate that was totally defiled. I, I, a couple of weeks or, or last week, I can't remember time very well. I talked to you about a dream I had that was the worst dream I ever had in my life. And I didn't really spell the dream out. I'm going to spell it out a little bit to you today. And I really believe that God speaks to us in our dreams. At the, the birth and death of Jesus Christ had seven dreams and visions surrounding it. God chooses to speak to those things. He speaks to the things. Because if he spoke it to us very often, we wouldn't understand it if it was just speaking to us. And we'd have all of our self-defenses to say, oh, no, 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 that can't be. And we would change the dream. Or we change the thing we see. It's hard enough with a dream. We always want to change it, too. But in this dream, I was, I was, I was walking around, and there was a whole bunch of, like, rectangle-shaped uh, apartment buildings, all kinds of them around there. And I'm walking in there, and I knew I was the caretaker of that. And, and I looked there and I said, man, this is not bad at all. You know, I, I haven't been doing it. And, and, and look, the lawn's just a little bit long and the things around it doesn't really look too bad. It's not bad at all. I'm really surprised by it. And uh, I thought it was kind of as I was thinking about it, I heard somebody up the stairs 
trying to break into a door. So I go up to take a look, and there were some people trying to break. I go, what's, I didn't actually say anything, but I thought, what's going on? And they said to me, it's because uh, somebody we think's in danger in here. So they broke the door down, and inside was the worst thing I've ever seen. It was poop everywhere. This, this whole room was floor to ceiling, and uh, there was a person laying in a bed and was covered with it. Really, really covered. It's just, it was the most gross thing. I, mean, I don't mean little poop. I mean like somebody took a, a, a hose and just... And there was a room behind it where, where it was coming from. It was totally defiled. That's what it was. And the woman that was in the bed was the church. God showed me. It was the church. Totally defiled. I thought she was dead, but she was alive. And I thought, oh, wow, she can be re- re- rehabilitated, redeemed. That's the call out to us. So that is what has actually happened on earth. That's what's happened on this city. It's been defiled. Now, how do you do that? How do you clean that? How do you take care of something like that? I was talking with a friend who actually knows a, a, uh, uh, a person that was... Uh, husband was the guard to Manson for a long time, Charles Manson, at the prison. And she, she, he told her a story of one of the times, and it apparently has happened quite a bit and happens in prisons quite a bit, where he came in there in the, in the morning and the whole room was just filled, popped ceiling all over himself, junk pieces. And how they handle it is they take a hose and they wash it down and him right in there, just wash it down. And I thought that was an extremely good picture of what God does. See, the sanctification process, for God to move through the thing, he has to cleanse it. So what he does is he washes it. Now, we know we're washed with his blood. But I wanted to give you a picture that you won't forget, that would keep you in mind that what has happened when sin came in the world and what God does, he washes it down and cleanses it, that he may remain. Because you remember the scriptures say that sin and God can't coexist together. And that's why you know you're forgiven, because you have him. And you have the Holy Spirit in you, which is a first sign or, or, or a uh, 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 witness that he lives in you and that he's forgiven you and he loves you. So, cleansed. We've been cleansed. Now, what happens, what happens, what do we see happening when we see something like, like for example, today... They're having, just a, it's been two weeks of this sacred music festival, I think they call it. Today is the last day. Out at the beach, they're going to they're gonna do a ceremony uh, that is the climax to the whole thing. And what they do is they invite, they're inviting two Polynesian gods in. The first one is, is the god of darkness, death, and Hades commonly known as, to us as Satan. And the second one is, 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 a, is a voodoo type of uh, one that comes through, uh, apparently through uh, uh, Brazil to here. And it's the goddess of the sea in Washington. And, it's, it's, uh, and the, the other one is, is symbolized by an octopus or a squid. Now in dreams, that is Jezebel. So what's being invited into our area is something that is horrible. Horrible. That's why I saw that picture, what I saw. That's what the defilement looks like. Now, the first, the first reaction of mine is condemn, condemning it. That's the first, oh, 
rotten, miserable. And that's my first reaction to do is to condemn it. Well, either I'm God or the devil is the only person who does that. I think that comes from the devil. I think we all are continually used by both God and we give ourselves into the enemy. The condemnation doesn't work. And that's why people stand up there and say horrible things, the devil, you dirty, this, that, and the other. Why it doesn't work and why they get their tail kicked is because they begin to do the same thing the devil is, to defile. They think that there's some authority to that. But yet in the scriptures, when Michael was dealing uh, uh, with the demonic, he says, the Lord rebuked you, not him. He wasn't even going there. He didn't even do that. The Lord rebuked you. And that's who will rebuke him, and that's who will bring condemnation. But what are we to do? We look at what Jesus did as the first gatekeeper. Now, I spoke to you before about how how the enemy was actually suckered into this battle with Jesus and how the enemy thought when he, when he crucified Jesus that he won. But he didn't understand the scriptures, though he knows them well. He didn't understand them. The scriptures say this. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. That's in Psalm 97.1 and Psalm 89.14. And it says it that a couple times there. And then it says the Lord reigns forever and establishes his kingdom through righteousness. See, what happened was the enemy came against a righteousness and caused a great injustice. And God's foundation is something that's never shaken, it's never changed. It's continual. So when it came and violated the foundation of everything that cannot be violated, that will stand forever, that nothing can remove it, he lose. He lost. What seemed to us as a, as a, a very, and the world a very weak way of dealing with things was actually the power of God. So what happened when he went through that, that process of this injustice, and that injustice could not keep him in the grave and brought him back, and made his sacrifice, an eternal sacrifice forever, that nothing could stand against it. In a sense, what he did is he sanctified anyone that would receive it. Now, why doesn't the whole world get sanctified? It says one day that will happen. But because Jesus is the gate. You see... If you look at the scriptures, everything is in and through Jesus. In and through. Because he's the gate. You have to go through the gate. That gate, and anybody that enters through that gate, is forgiven and sanctified once and for all. So this festival that's coming up, that's, that's, that's happening today, and I'm, I'm telling you this because I really want, uh, it starts at 3 o'clock. I don't want you guys running there because it's not a place you really want to be. I want you guys to really begin to pray, but not pray against it the way you would think. Because praying against it, (laughs) I just don't see it in the scriptures. But what I see is God sanctify things and change. We have a gate that's been opened to hell to the city. We want to sanctify it. Now, where does the Lord talk about you know, uh, a lot of my Jewish friends uh, love, you know, that, it, that it's first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. But they don't realize it's also first to judgment to the Jews and then to the Gentiles. 
And also, it's a matter of, 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 you know, of order. But that order, it also talks about with the church. He says he's going to start his judgment in the house, which is us. So how do we approach that? So if we want to deal something and shut a gate to the enemy, the first person we start is with ourselves. Remember, again, the first principle of, of gatekeeping is this. What you allow in your own life, and no matter how small it is, is allowed into the area of your influence. Now, we're a gatekeeping church. That means what we allow in our life and what we ask for forgiveness in our life is the process of sanctifying not only ourself, but our area of influence. So the process that then I'm going to ask you guys to do today and keep in your mind is to start praying and asking God to forgive every area of your life. I don't care how minute it is. Every single area of your life that you have at all sinned in or operated improperly or thought the wrong thoughts. Now, the hard thing to do is recognize the difference between a legalistic way of doing that and a heart that just wants to please God. Sometimes that's really hard. We get into, oh, I'll take care of this, that, and that. When we get so focused in on the sin that then we leave who God is. We empower what we focus in on. So the difference is, is the sanctification process of focusing on him and going through and sanctifying those areas. Now, for husbands that, and wives, that means it sanctifies your marriage. And it sanctifies your children. You know, if that's your fear of influence. If you're here, you probably have some influence on this area. So what you do with that will allow the blessing to come on the area. Because in a sense, in your own life and in the city, we want to shut the door to hell and open the door to heaven. Now, the natural response when heaven's opened up is blessing comes. That is the natural response. We don't have to talk God into, you know, you look at the scriptures, you know, and you just say, ask and it'll be done and all this stuff. And then the other ones tells you to wrestle with God and you have to have the tensions between the two of these to figure things. But when you talk to deal with sin in your life and blessing in your life, if you ask for blessing, not the blessing of getting things, <coughs> but blessing, sanctification in your life, the consequence is going to be blessing in your life. Does that make sense to you? And when we usually ask for God to bless us, we bless me for this, bless me for that, bless me for that. Nothing gets really wrong with that. But the blessing we want is the sanctification, the blessing from God. When he, when he bless him, he'd make holy. Wouldn't he? In the scriptures? Don't you see that? I'm, I'm going to bless you, I'm just going to make you holy. Well, when you're made holy, you receive holy things from God. Because you, when he blesses you that way, he opens up a gate and heaven rains on you. It's, it's, it's a very, very simple, yet missed principle, in my opinion. We call out for the other. We don't need to. We just need to ask the God to make us right. That's why that scripture, seek ye first the kingdom of God. If you start putting that in, and we'll put pieces together, it makes more sense to you. Because if you seek God first, and if it's in that, and being sanctified, all the stuff comes as well. Why? Because you're sanctified. God pours out his blessing. That's also what happens in this city. When you allow God to sanctify you and change you 
And by the way, I don't care how many sins in your life you ask him to forgive you. They're done. I don't care how you feel. It doesn't matter that you don't feel forgiven. You don't matter that, that the enemy yelling in your ear saying, oh, about this and that and the other and this attitude and that attitude. Just, Lord, forgive me. It's forgiven. That's the truth. That's where the truth and emotions don't always go together. Later, they will. You walk that out. I can remember all the time understanding that up here and not feeling that in the heart. But over a period of time, I felt that. And over a period of time, I feel the forgiveness. I don't wrestle with that stuff anymore. I really don't. How You know, I, I'm full of junk, just like everyone. But I don't wrestle with it because I ask them to forgive me. And now understanding that when I've asked them the blessing and forgiveness for me, then the natural rain is his favor on me and blessing on me. I'm in heaven's gate. That's the gate I want you to look at today. When you pray, when you pray, it's for that purpose. Now, read uh, verse 20 through... I want to finish this up. Yeah, 20. I don't know where to the end of it is. Just read uh, verse 20. I'll tell you when to stop. Because I didn't write down where to stop. The law was added so that the trespass might increase. But where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's probably it right there. I think that's the end right there. Okay. Where sin increased, grace increases all the more. Why? Anybody? Why when... when why, when sin increases, grace increases more? Anybody have any idea? Hmm? Yeah, I wouldn't say balance, but that's exactly what I was looking for. Yeah, because the the five times we heard it, the sin is not like the gift because the gift is more powerful. The sanctification of God is far more powerful than any sin that you can ever come up with. Period. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, forget it. If Charles Manson could come to that place of asking forgiveness, I, I believe God would forgive him. Though that man, I believe, operates fully in the demonic. There's nothing. I know witches and people that have been in the cult have gotten free. Remember, it's not a big, it's, it's, it's one game or another we're in. We're either in the sin, and by, if you're in the sin, you're under the law, and every sin counts. Whether it's one or ten million, you're guilty. Period. End of story. One or ten million, doesn't matter, you're guilty. That gets one judgment, guilty. On the other hand, if you're under his mercy, they're all forgiven. It doesn't matter. They're done. So, so when, uh, the sin was actually, in other parts we talk about the scripture, it was actually added, and we'll talk, what that really means. Why would he do it? Why would he add that? Why would he add the law so that sin would abound, it says, in other places? Why? 
comes to us to realize how powerful a God we have as one of the things, which is the point I want today for it, whether we would understand that there's nothing that can go against what God has said. There's nothing whatsoever. So, sin reigned through death. Okay, death, gates of Hades. Okay, grace reigns through righteousness. That's the gate that we come through, Jesus Christ. Remember, uh, remember in the... Uh, uh, Second uh, uh, Corinthians, uh, no, Second uh, Colossians, I think six three. Uh, the right hand is righteousness, and left hand is justice. You know, all those things that that that. Uh, uh, that's what's in his hand. That's when the thing. That's the strength, and that's the power of God. So, today, I like I say, I want to ask you that if you would go after God. Asking God to forgive everything in you. As a matter of fact, we'll provide some time up here if you want to start that off a little bit. Every area of your life that you would pray next for the forgiveness of the ignorance of the people. Because most of the people being at this festival are just flat ignorant. They have no idea. They think they're having a little fun multicultural festival. Isn't it neat? We have all these different cultures, you know, and they think it's a great little fun thing. And they're blind to what's going on. They don't know that they're trying to usher in. But I say, no, he isn't coming. The door is shut. So the next thing you'll pray, like I say, is for the ignorance of the people, for the brokenness of the people for what the city and the people in the city have allowed in their lives, just go down and repent for everything God would lead you to repent for. Why? Why, guys? What, am I do- what are you doing by doing that? Huh? You're sanctifying. My gosh, can you guys get that better? Sanctifying. Because what you're doing is you're bringing sanctification over the land. We want to bless the land. That'll be the next thing you'll bless is the land and the ocean there. We're bringing sanctification over the area that the Lord's kingdom will reign, that his power will come. Because we, if, if we, as ambassadors and sons of the living God, speak a blessing over this area, we open up heaven. When open up heaven, believe me, when it comes to darkness and light, light puts out darkness every time, even in the natural Nevertheless, in the supernatural. There's no competition. It's not a close game. God wins. 